We started this series off with this idea that everyone in the room is a worshiper. So whether you're a Christian or not, we all worship something. You're a worshiper. In fact, a, a definition for worship is worship is a response to the things we value most. So there's something you really, really, really love. And it could be a sport. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be a career. It could be a hobby. It could be a sports team. There's something you really love. And, and that is getting a response. It's getting an expression that you can track by this trail, the trail of time, the trail of your calendar, the trail of money, the trail of energy, the trail uh, of, of conversation. And I'll say it again, God doesn't care if you have other loves in your life. He's okay with that. He just has a big, big problem if you love those things more than you love him. And I said in week one that I believe even Christians have exchanged our love that belongs to God and have given it to something else or someone else instead. I was raised in church. Many of you were also raised in church. But when people in America think about a worship service, most of the time, not everybody, but most of the time, what we think about is different than what the Bible describes. It just is. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does the Bible say about worship? We're in Luke chapter 19 to begin. And let me set the story up for us. This takes place uh, the Sunday before Easter Sunday. Now, they didn't call it Easter Sunday. That's what we know it as, the resurrection Sunday when Jesus comes out of the grave and beat death and beat hell on that day. This was the Sunday before that called Palm Sunday. Now, that may be a new term for some of you, but here's what that means. Jesus was really, really popular. He was healing a lot of people, and so he comes into Jerusalem, this triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and they wanted to just throw a parade in his honor. And so the, these people had these palm branches, these massive palms. They would lay on the ground for Jesus' donkey to walk on, or they would wave them in celebration. But that's what's going on. This is Palm Sunday, and it says in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 37, when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is just outside of Jerusalem where Jesus is going. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. And now this was abnormal, abnormal praise, but the people were just so excited about who Jesus was and what he'd done that they're just really carrying on for all the miracles they had, miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so they're just worshiping Jesus and really making kind of a scene. And the religious leaders of the day kind of got offended. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Basically, Jesus teach them how to worship because they're worshiping the wrong way. Look what Jesus says. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, which is basically Jesus way of saying, I like this. I like it when they get a little rowdy for me. Now we have in our mindset what, what, what we think the kind of worship that God likes. And I would submit to you that the Bible has not defined that mindset, but tradition has. Let me say that again. We have in our mindset the way that, that Jesus loves to be worshiped, that God loves to be worshiped. But I would submit to you that the Bible didn't define that, tradition did. Over thousands of years, there's always been a group like the Pharisees that say, no, 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 keep quiet. Shh. That's not how we worship, not, not how we do things. Now, listen, we honor the brick and mortar. 
We're going to celebrate uh, next month 65 years in this building, which is incredible. But this is just brick and mortar. Okay, this is not a temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. So, so, but people say, well, I don't know, we can't, can't tear up the building. Well, I understand that. And we honor the brick and mortar, but, but you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to get a little excited about him. We've learned some things that honestly are not biblical. So here's the deal. If we were to go on a journey through the Bible and ask the question, what is God actually like? What is his method for worship? What would he tell us this morning? That's a good question. So that's the one we're going to try to address. King David is responsible for writing most of the book of Psalms, which is a biblical word for songs of worship. That's all Psalms is, which it's the longest book of the Bible by a long shot, which also says to me, hey, this is a really big deal to me. I kind of like it when people worship me, when they sing to me. They're psalms, all God-style expressions of praise and worship, and they honestly don't look like most American churches. As we read this, you're going to go, that doesn't really look like us. It looks more like our stadium on Friday night. They're clapping, they're shouting, they're dancing, there's instruments, there's noise. And listen, we love our football football culture in Texas. I, I love it too. And we get a little crazy to Snyder High School football game and they go, man, that guy's a fan. But you do that in church, they go, that guy's weird. Why? Why do we do that? I don't know. But Jesus likes it when we, we get a little excited. So we're going to look at God's style. Again, don't get mad at me. This is his book, not mine. God's style of worship. Let's see what he says. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And let me just preface this whole sermon by saying this. When Bible translators translated this into English, and they did a very good job, I mean, as good as you could possibly do, but the Hebrew and Greek languages, specifically Hebrew, they're just bigger vocabularies. They have more words than we have in English. And so, and the Hebrew language specifically is very pictorial. Uh, So sometimes there'd be one word in Hebrew, but then you'd need a paragraph to define that so that we could understand what they're talking about. So when Bible translators translated the Bible, they did a very accurate job But there's sometimes where translators would say, well, let's just put the word praise here. So as you're reading Psalms, there's seven words for the word praise. So you're just reading your Bible. It says praise, but it could be one of seven different Hebrew words, which is pretty fascinating. So today we're going to talk about what those seven words mean. We're going to get a little lesson in Hebrew. Everybody excited about that today? All right. Here's the first one. So you're just reading praise in your Bible. But here's the first word. It's the word Hallel. Hallel, which means to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. That's what that means. This is where you probably heard the word hallelujah. Well, that's Hallel, to praise, to celebrate, to boast, to be clamorously foolish for Yah, the Yah part, and hallelujah is God. So I'm celebrating God, I'm boasting about God, I'm clamorously foolish for God. Now listen to me, in every pastor's library in the entire country, he has a dictionary of Hebrew words and Greek words, it's called a lexicon. And in every one of those dictionaries, when you look up the word Hallel, this is the definition. To rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish for God. I love that, it's what God likes. God says, I like it when you get a little crazy. I like it when you celebrate me. And doesn't that make sense? It makes total sense on Friday and Saturday night when your team scores, you go, and you go a little bit crazy. God says, I I like it when you get a little crazy for me and you celebrate me. But some of us would say, that's that's irreverent. 
on a Sunday to do that. It's not irreverent. God is looking for people that are so excited to see him. In fact, let me show it to you in scripture. Uh, this is Psalm 35, 18. This is the New Living Translation. It says, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will hallel. Your word says praise. I will hallel you. I will celebrate you. I will boast about you. I will rave about you. I want to be clamorously foolish about you before all the people. That's what God desires. I want to make a statement. I believe that low-key conservative worship does nothing but protect our egos. That's all that it does. God says, I like it when you get a little crazy for me. I mean, you yell at a football game. Why don't you get a little excited about it? That's what he wants, everybody. He wants your passion. Now, look, I'm sympathetic because... I didn't take that leap in one day. I get that. And I'm not asking you to take a leap today. I'm asking you to take one step. I go, okay, I'm going to get a little more excited than I did last Sunday. That's all I'm asking. Just take a step. Not the whole leap, just a step. Here's the second word. You see the English word praise, but the Hebrew word is yada. Yada, which means to acknowledge in public. It's not Yoda. That's the little green guy. This is yada, yada. To acknowledge in public. And it actually means, yada means to acknowledge in public with an extended hand. With an extended hand. It's the idea that my hands are lifted. I'm acknowledging God. It's kind of like he, he would ask in this room, who loves me? And you go, ooh, 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 me, me, me. That's the idea. Is I'm acknowledging him in public. I'm just acknowledging your good. I was, I was preaching at a church not, hours, not long ago. And somebody asked me this question. They said, What's up with the whole hand raising thing? And uh, I said, well, first of all, it's in the Bible. God wrote it. He has the right to write whatever he wants to write. So I'm going to do it. And by the way, the number one reason I lift my hands in worship every Sunday is because God asks me to do it. That's why I do it. That's the number one reason. Not because I feel it, not because there's some emotion. It's because God asks me to do it. So I do it. If God asks me to stand on my head and stick out one leg in my tongue, I do it because God has the right to tell me whatever he wants from me. But there is a reason, there is a practical reason and a purpose to why we do that. Who doesn't want to be acknowledged in public? All of us do, right? At the football game, what do they do? When you, when you cross that line, they throw their hands up. You win, celebrate that. And it's almost a natural response and God likes that as well. Here's the verse, Psalm 138, verse one. Psalm 138, verse one says, I will praise you, I will yada you, I will acknowledge you in public, O Lord. With all my heart, I'm going to lift my hand to you. And, and, and when I do it, I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you everything. Here's another Hebrew word. So you're just reading praise in your Bibles. You're reading through Psalms. Could be one of seven words. Here's the next one. It's Barak. Barak, which means to, to bless by kneeling or bowing. And yes, that is the same name as our former United States president. So to Barak, so to bless by kneeling or bowing. A better picture would be uh, presenting yourself to someone in reverence or submission. That's a good word for Barak is I surrender, I submit to you. Isn't that cool? So you're reading praise in your Bible and it could mean to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, to rave and boast about, or it could be to kneel and to bow and surrender. Isn't that cool? I don't know if this is blessing anybody but me today, but I love that. Like those are opposite things and yet you're reading praise and it could be two totally different things. And God says, I like it when you do all of the above. Psalm 103.1 says, Barak the Lord, 
Bend or kneel or surrender before the Lord. Oh, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Just a beautiful expression of worship to God saying, here I am. I surrender to you. I've noticed sometimes after service, we'll, we'll have a time of prayer. And some, some families, some husbands, wives, whole families will come and they'll just they'll kneel before the Lord. That's an awesome sign of worship and praise. Here's the next one. And it's the word Zamar. Zamar, which means making music to God with strings. Making music to God with strings. It goes on, if you read the actual word, it literally means to pluck those bad boys, like hit them hard. So God doesn't want like this acoustic spa music going on. He wants you to like, you know, that's what he wants. You know what that tells me? God's cool, everybody. That's what that tells me. He wants you to like really let him have it, right? Psalm 92.1, this is where you can find this one. It is good to praise, to hit those strings on those guitars to the Lord and make music to your name. Oh, most high. I want to give you one more verse. Uh, Psalm 150. If Psalm has 150 chapters in it, then I would think the 150th chapter would be the summation of all 150 chapters. And this is Psalm 150. Uh, and if you're curious, it's the word Hallel, right? To, to praise, to boast, to celebrate, to rave, to be clamorously foolish. It's Hallel all the way through. But there is a Zamar. Check this out. It says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre. And that's not a person who doesn't tell the truth. That's, that's a stringed instrument. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. This one's Zamar. Praise, Zamar him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. God loves it. Don't you love it too? Wouldn't you hate it on Friday night if you're at the stadium and somebody next to you goes, shh, I'm trying to watch the game. No, the louder the better, right? We want to make as much noise as possible. And God kind of likes that. He's kind of into that too. Here's another word. It's the word shabak. Shabak, which means to address in a loud voice or to shout. And to say this one appropriately, you have to act like you've got a popcorn kernel stuck in the back of your throat. Shabak. Don't, don't try. You'll spit on the person in front of you. Uh, again, this is God. God wrote this, not me. This is God. He says, I want you to shout. I want you to use a loud tone when you talk to me. I love that. This is 3,000 year old scripture that we're reading. But God loves for us to shout. And I started thinking, how much shouting happens at football games on Saturday afternoons in Lubbock, Texas, or Friday nights in Snyder, Texas? And I just made up my mind. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to scream and shout for a football team that doesn't even know my name and keep quiet for the God who made me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to scream and shout for a football team who's six and six and keep quiet for the God who created that football team. I'm not going to do that. Psalm 63, three and four says this, because your love is better than my spouse, because your love is better than my kids, because your love is better than my career or my hobbies or blue skies or sunshine, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will shabak, I will shout with a loud tone as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift, you, uh, lift up my hands. Again, God wrote this. This is God's word. Here's another one. It's the word toda. Toda, which means to lift hands in adoration. Let me just point out that two of the seven, two of the seven have to do with lifting of your hands. 
So God's kind of into that. He wants you to lift your hands and surrender. But this, the first one was kind of like a, a lifting of hands in acknowledgement. Ooh, ooh, yes, yes, I'm on team Jesus. This one is almost like a submission or a surrender. It's, it's, uh, it's different. Um, so it'd be like if somebody put a gun next to you and put a gun up to you and said, freeze, and you say, I surrender. That's the thought is I surrender to you. I surrender to you. That's the word. It's where you come to God and say, I give you my life today. I'm surrendering all that I am to you today. I want you to know that I love you, that I'm letting go of my pride. Yeah, people are looking at me, but I don't care. I give you my life. I give you my pride. I give you my all, Jesus. I surrender to you. He loves that. He loves that. And I know that that's kind of anti-Baptist to be saying, lift your hands. Again, this is his text, not mine. Here's where it's used. Psalm 50, 23 it says, he who offers Toda, this hand lifting surrender, he who offers that glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Here's the last one. You're just reading praise. It's the word tehila, tehila, which means exuberant singing. I know it sounds like something else, but it's not that. Here's the verse, Psalm 34, 1. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His tehillah will always be on my lips. Uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> some of y'all need to get saved, all right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> God just likes you singing to him. And I love what Dee said a minute ago that, that we just sing loud. He didn't say make a good noise, make a joyful noise. That's what he wants to hear. He said, I just want you to exuberantly sing. When you're in your car, you're not just singing real soft because I don't know what the person next to me. No, that's my wife. She's going to hear my bad, but I'm just going to sing loud. That's what Jesus loves. I want you to sing loud, exuberant singing. He he likes it when you're kind of all into it. Just to show you how cool the Bible is, let me show you uh, one passage where all of these words are used together. There's multiple words used together. This is Psalm 108, verses 1 through 3. This is the King James Version. It says, oh God, my heart is fixed. You know what that means? That means I've made up my mind. My heart is fixed. I, I don't care what the person to the left of me or the right of me thinks. I don't care what the person in front or behind me. I don't care if they put that camera on me and I'm on TV. My heart's fixed. I'm giving you everything I've got. And then it says, I will. And some of you need to leave church today with an I will attitude in your heart. Just say, you know what, I've been doing this conservative, low-key thing for long enough, and that's not what God desires. He wants me to celebrate him, to rave about him, to boast about him, to be clamorously foolish for him, to lift hands in surrender, to bow by surrendering and, and bowing and kneeling in front of him, to exuberantly sing to him, to lift my hands in surrender, to shout out his, he wants that from me, and I will do those things because he calls me to do it. I will sing and give praise. That's Zamar. I will sing praise even with my glory. I will praise. I will yada thee. I will acknowledge you. O Lord, among the peoples, I will sing praises. That one's Tehillah. I'm going to exuberantly sing unto thee among the nations. Worship is love expressed. In other words, it's not worship if it's not love. And it's not worship if it's not expressed. So I can't just say, well, I love God with all my heart, but I'm just going to do this during worship. That's not expressed. I can't tell my wife, I love you with all of my heart, but I'm not going to give you any kisses or any hugs. I'm never going to touch you. That ain't going to fly, okay? 
I got to love her. Worship, worship is simply what you love, and it's an expression of that love. The whole title of this series is God's Love Language, taken off the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, written in the mid-90s, where he says that we feel love in five ways, through time, through encouraging words, through acts of service, through gift giving or through physical touch, that all of us in our, uh, especially our dating or marriage relationships, feels love in one of those five ways. Well, I asked the question when we started, what is God's love language? His love language is worship. And I told you exactly the kind and style of worship that he likes. This is what he kind of digs. And the Pharisees were going, hey, teach your uh, disciples, rebuke them, tell them to stop doing this. And he goes, if they stop doing it, the rocks are going to do it. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to get foolish for him every once in a while. Express your love to him so that you do actually love him to say that I do. I do. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to I love you. I don't just love you, but worship is love expressed. I'm going to express that to you as well. And again, I'm not asking you to take a leap, Colonial Hill. Just take a step with me today. I'm going to finish the message with this thought. But because you say, well, okay, what does Jesus have to say? I heard what God says. What does Jesus have to say about all this? What are his thoughts? Which are the same, but I want to show you him say it himself. Interesting passage of scripture. I'm going to pull up one phrase out of Mark 12, verses 28 and 29. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them, Jesus and other people, debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And then Jesus responded, the most important one, by the way, if you're ever reading your Bible and you get to that kind of a line from Jesus, pay attention. That's a pretty important thing for him to say. 613 commandments, the most important one, right? I'm I'm glued in, man. What is he going to say next? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God. Just love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And I want you to love him with all your strength, everything you've got. He's saying, if you could just do this one thing, the other 612 things would be really easy. Let me say it a different way. If you're trying to, to honor this by doing 612 things in the Bible, Christianity is really, really tough. It's really, really tough. But if you'll do this one thing, Christianity is really, really easy. If you'll just love the God of the Bible, here's the the secret to Christianity. Are you ready? It's not trying to obey all of the things in the Bible. Christianity is not trying to obey everything in the Bible. It's falling in love with the God of the Bible, and then you willingly do all of those things. I don't have to try not to cheat on my wife. I just fall deeper and deeper in love with my wife, and then I'm not even tempted to cheat. Right? So I just, I just love her. I love him. I love you so much. I'll, I'll do all that stuff you asked me to do. I'm so in love with you. That's what he wants. I love that Jesus said, I'm not even going to tell you to love. I'm going to tell you how to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. That's the first one. What does that mean? If I gave something my heart and soul, wouldn't you agree that that means to express my affection to God? That's what he wants is to express my affection to him. Right? Listen to me, church. God doesn't want a song service. God doesn't even really want your singing and your clapping and your hands lifted. He wants you. That's what he wants. He wants you to be in a relationship with himself. 
So I'm going to ask a question, and I'm just doing a spiritual checkup on you, okay? I'm not the judge. I don't, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You've got to deal with this internally. But I want to ask you a question. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question honestly. Here's the question. What do I love most? What do I love most? What am I giving that kind of affection to? And what would the Spirit of God say to you? Here's the second way you can love the Lord with all your mind. How in the world can I love God with my mind? Well, the mind is the place where we think. And wouldn't you agree that we can focus all of our attention on God? So the first is focusing our affection. This is focusing our attention on God. God just kind of likes it when you think about him throughout the day. When we were in Austin, uh, I had a massive counseling load. I love counseling couples specifically. And um, that day I told my wife, I said, babe, I don't know if I'm going to get to talk to you today. I, like, I have a 9 o'clock, a 10 o'clock, an 11 o'clock, a lunch meeting, a 1 o'clock, a 2 o'clock, a 3 o'clock, and a 4 I mean, I was solid. And it was about 5 to the top of the hour, I'm like 9.55 or 10.55, and my phone rings. And her knowing that I had a busy counseling load, I thought, something's wrong. Like, my, my heart leapt because I thought, she's, she knows not to call me. And so I answered the phone. I said, is everything okay? And she said, yes. She said, I know you can't talk. She said, I just wanted to call and tell you I'm thinking about you. I'm canceling all my meetings. I'll be home in 20 minutes. Right? I was like, I didn't, but I wanted to. Man, that has made my day as I'm, as I'm going into spiritual warfare with these couples and all this stuff that's going on in their lives. I, that just lifted me just for her to say, I was thinking about you. I'll be home soon. Right? <laughs> Wrap this up, right? It just blessed me. What if, what if we just went to God right before a meeting and said, hey, I, I, don't have, I don't need anything. I don't have any prayer requests. I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. I love you. I can't wait to spend time with you later. I, I got to go, but I'm thinking about you. How would, that would just bless God if we just did that. Maybe that's what Paul meant when he said to pray without ceasing. That just constantly throughout the day we're just thinking about Jesus and how good he is. Here's the question you want to ask yourself. What do I think about most? What do I think about most? Is it God? Here's the last one. Worship with all your strength. What's my strength? Wouldn't you agree your strength is what you actually do? So let me say it this way. Use your abilities for God. So affection, right? attention, and now abilities. Using my abilities for God. So if I sell insurance, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. If I'm a stay-at-home mama, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. If I'm on social media, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Right? My wife doesn't just like me to give her kisses. She likes me to do the dishes. Amen, anybody? You know what I'm talking about? She likes me to do some stuff for her around the house. And honestly, when you do things for God, it's worship. When you bring God into him. So here's the final question. What do I do most? What do I do most? Now, I would encourage you, whatever that is, bring God into that. Include him in that thing. So I'm preparing this message. I'm putting the finishing touches on it, and, and God, God spoke to me. Did you hear him audibly? No. But there's just times where I get very strong impressions. I think God does that for all people, but especially pastors, because he knows my role. I have an opportunity to talk to a whole bunch of people at one time, and so he just, he says things to me. He's the big deal, um, not me. But I'm, I'm spending this time with God, and I, and I got a picture of you. Colonial Hill Baptist Church. 
whom I love. I've spent 26 years of my life in this church as a kid, as a youth pastor, now as a lead pastor. I love this church. And I got a picture of you being nudged up to this imaginary line. And some of you, because I've talked to you about this privately, some of you have been waiting almost for permission or that push across the line to just say, do it. Like, go all in. This is not my words. These are his words. 3,000 year old text. I want you to celebrate me. I want you to be clamorously foolish about me. It's okay to shout. It's okay to sing exuberantly to me. It's okay to, to kneel. Who cares what other people think of you? As, as my heart's fixed. I will do these things. I'm going to lift my hands in surrender and an acknowledgement that you are Lord. And I got a picture of you and you're nudged up to this imaginary line and you just needed me to come and just push you over it and say, it's okay. It's okay. Worship God that way. That's the way he likes to be worshiped. It's his love language, everybody. That's what he loves. It's kind of like when, when, you're, when you're dating. You know, when you date and you date and you date and you date and then you finally say, I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to put a ring on that finger. And you go buy the, the ring and then you, you have this all elaborate idea of how you're going to propose. And then you don't even pull that off because you're like, I, I, I got to give it to her right now. I've got to get right now. Here, will you marry me? Right. You can't even wait until like that special anniversary day because you're just so excited. I want, that's what I want some of you to do. Some of you have been dating him in worship. And I just want you to go all in and say, I'm, I'm marrying you. This is what you want. This is what I want to give you. I'm not going to act one way at a football game and act a different way in church. I, I want to give you what you desire, Lord. bunch of us have been dating God. You've been shoved up to that line and you just want to go all in. And uh, here's my final thought. You'll never know. You'll never know how good God is until you go all in. You'll never know. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and if you seek me, you will, you will find me. If you seek me, if, if, if is the big word there. If you seek me with all of your heart, like I got to go all in. I want to read the same verse out of uh, the message translation. This is Jeremiah 29, 13 again. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Isn't that beautiful? God's saying, if you get serious about me and you go, I, I promise you won't be disappointed. I've never met anybody that was worshiping God's way, that was worshiping with God's love language, that regretted that, that had second thoughts about that. But they said, man, I, I've been living my whole life worshiping in a way that, that was not God's way. And I, I, want, I want to give you the freedom today. I felt like God wanted me to tell you that today's the day where you just get nudged up to that line of faith and I just want you to cross it. For some of you, it's coming back to God. And you're just redirecting your life. Saw a lot of new faces today. I'm so glad that you're here. We welcome you to Colonial Hill. But you just need to rededicate your life and say, you know what? I was going a different way and I didn't have other things that I exchanged the worship for Jesus for. I need to give that back to him. For some of you, you, you have this low-key conservative worship and you say, Reed, I'm ready to go all in. I'm done with that. I, I want to worship God's way. For some of you, you're right up to that line. You've been up there for several weeks or months now, and you've known you needed to take a step towards God. And I'm just saying, take that step today. Whatever that step is, will help you. 
It may be scary, but God's there. He he didn't give you a spirit of fear. And for others of you, you've always been close to him, but you've never married. You've never fully committed. And today might be that day where you say, okay, I'm putting the ring on your finger, Jesus. Whatever that decision is for you, I want you to make that decision today and we're going to celebrate it together. Here's what we're going to do first. There are some of you that need to put your faith in Jesus for the very first time. You've never done that. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So I'd love for everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I do this because I'm cognizant that we are way too caught. We are, we are so aware and so bothered by the people around us. And I don't know why that is, but, but it's just true. And so I don't want this to be about anybody else but you and God. And so I want you just to think about that question. Do I really know Jesus? Not know about Jesus. That's different. Do I really know Jesus? I know a lot about a lot of people. I know a lot about celebrities. I know a lot about our president. I do not know our president. Do you know a lot about God or do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? And if you don't, I'd love to walk you through the first step in that relationship, which is confessing with your mouth that he's Lord and believing in your heart that he died for your sins, was buried and rose again out of the grave and you will be saved today. You will be saved today. So I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but I want to know who I'm praying for, who says, I I want to make that commitment today. Again, nobody's looking around. The TV cameras are not on you. They're on me at this time. I would love for you to say, hey, Reed, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Slip your hand up really high so I can see who I'm praying for. Slip your hand up. I see you. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. I see you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, just say this prayer. Whisper this over your breath. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to earth to die for me, that you were buried and rose again, and that you let me do the same one day by putting my faith in you today. Come into my life. Set me free from sin. Start me over with you leading me from this day forward. Then just thank him. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for all of those who put their faith in Jesus today? Come on. All those watching online that did that, we celebrate with you as well. Amazing, amazing.